Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. We want to remind you that this show is brought to you by the Compassionate Friends and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. And Heidi, we've got an interesting show today because I think it's going to be very helpful for people. And our topic today is Don't Let Grief Define Your Life. You want to introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to, Mom. Our guest today is Maria Casso. Maria is a compelling speaker, certified life coach, grief recovery specialist, and suicide survivor. She masterfully guides her clients to redefine how they approach life. Through transformational dialogue, she provides not only a strategy to dissolve obstacles, but a system of accountability to keep them on track towards success. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hi. Thank you for having me on. It's so great to have you on. I mean, your bio is just kind of amazing, Maria. You have done so many things and do so many things. I know Dr. Oz said in your bio had encouraged you to go into life coaching because you had friends that you were helping out all the time and counseling and those kind of things. So I thought that was interesting. How did he happen to connect up with you? Well, Oz Garcia is a Cuban, and I've known him for many, many years. I used to be the girlfriend of a classical composer, Robert Ruggieri, and Robert Ruggieri was going to see Oz because he didn't have any energy. So on one of those visits, I went, and Oz and I really connected. So I had been sitting on the fence on what to do. I had gone through a very grieving situation, which is I got sober in 1983 after many years of addiction. And 93, excuse me. And I met someone right after getting sober, and within a couple of years, I had had a baby. And during that time, uh, it didn't work out, but he took me to court, and we spent 10 years in court, and then he died. And I was left in a very bad space. During that time, I had been a music executive. I had done uh, a feature film. But during that whole time, I was going to court, and it really took a lot away from me. And at that point, I lost my job. I couldn't get it together. And I found that a lot of people were calling me up asking me for advice because they had just started to lose things and lose their families. They were getting divorced. So at one point, I had always believed in colon health. So I had thought of being a colon therapist. And I went to Oz and I said, look, I'm thinking of being a colon therapist or a life coach. And he looked at me and goes, are you crazy? (laughs) Be a life coach. You're excellent at what you do. You want to be in a room doing that eight hours a day? Be a life coach, and that was the defining moment. I started researching, and I found the school that focused on the internal goals while simultaneously focusing on the external goals, and it suited me perfectly. And I became a certified life coach in 2006 and never looked back. I'm very happy at it, by the way. I'm very good at it. (laughs) And also, you had had some early loss in your life, and I think that impacts how we approach things and have those experiences. Well, you know, we are political exiles. I am a Cuban. We're political exiles. I had a very beautiful life in Havana, and we had our beautiful homes. I came from a family of substance, uh, several generations down there, lived a wonderful life. And then one day, I remember uh, I was six years old, like if it was yesterday, We got woken up. It was still dark, my brother and I, and we didn't understand. We, they dressed us. We went outside, got in my grandfather's car. It was my grandfather, my mother, my father, my grandmother, and us. 
and we were driving to the airport in Havana, and there was some strange activity outside. We had started to be kept indoors. We're not really aware of what was going on. My brother was very young. He was three. But on our way, we went to the airport. I was holding my mother's hand, and at one point, she pushed me forward, and there was this thing in the airport called the fishbowl, and if you know many people are going to Cuba now, it's still there on the old airport. I went with my grandmother and my brother and myself, and when I went around to hold my mother's hand, she was on the opposite side of the fishbowl. And I'm looking, I'm with my grandmother, who was really an abusive woman for whatever reason, and she pushed me forward. No one had ever said we were coming to America. She pushed me forward, and we walked in the tarmac and went up the plane, and the plane took off, and I, and I started a new life without my family except my grandmother. We oh landed in America, went through the refugee line. My aunt and uncle picked us up, and I really don't have any recollection of the first year or so. Of the in the United States because it had to have been so traumatic that I don't remember. Wow. Your mother died also, right? Well, my mother on April 5th, 28 years ago, committed suicide. She was not able to handle life as a different social class in this country. And even though inside our home we were raised with a level of social class, you know, with we had maids and things of that nature in Cuba. Here in America, we had come with just the clothes on our back. Now, I don't remember when my mother came to America, but my mother came to America with my grandfather, leaving my father behind because he was the keeper of the documents because we just were sitting here waiting for the revolution to right. collapse because we were going to go home. So even until my grandmother died, she died when she was 100, my grandfather too. They were in America longer than they were in Cuba, but they were in America just waiting to go home. So we grew up with this frustration of this is not where we live. But then we're not there either. I am a child and a human being that really has roots here, but with a thinking that I'm really not American, I'm Cuban, but when I go to Cuba... I'm really not Cuban, I'm American. There's always this discord of who we really are. Now, that's a sense of trauma at times for me. I just wanted to ask you, I can hear this trauma, this disconnect, and I know that's what you work with people on, isn't it? Dealing with their own disconnect? Yeah, that's one of the areas that I work with. I work with grief recovery. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm thinking I'm listening to this. You work with grief recovery. Tell me. I've heard your story, I'm listening to the show, and I'm thinking, what would you do for me if I had the kind of problems you have had? Well, they're challenges. Okay. I would not define them as problems, I'll define them as challenges. Okay, good. It all depends if I was working in a group setting, or if if I was working one-on-one, it's two different ways. But usually the way that it works, it's uh, through 10 sessions. One of For me, the most powerful exercise of all of that is the I forgive you, I apologize for. And I always have people do this really early in the morning when they're sort of half asleep, half awake, and they come alone, and they're in this almost hypnotic state that's a subconscious state, 
And whoever it is that you're dealing with, you just start with, I apologize for, and when I did this exercise that I did it for my mother, I told the John James, who is the head of the Grief Recovery Institute, I said, I, I'm already complete with my mother. And he said, no, 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 I want you to do this. So I got up at 3.30 in the morning, and I did this exercise. I must tell you that I must have had over 250, I forgive you, to her. Wow. Until I just had nothing else to forgive her for. And then I had the apologize. My apologize was maybe 20 lines. But for her, it was multiple because she became another person, and she was no longer my mother. She became this other individual that she checked out of our lives and became somebody else in front of our lives. So, you know, I would work with people in 10 different sessions, and each session, you know, we have conversation, but each session has uh, a curriculum that we deal with. That's just one of them, but for me, it's one of the most powerful. So could I do that on my own? Could I get up in the morning and would I make a list? I forgive you and then I apologize for? Is that something that I could do? Yes, people absolutely can do that. You just want to be guided through it properly. You don't want to just be stuck there, Uh right? Because then there's a level of you remember what happened and it becomes, you know, a little bit traumatic very natural as human beings for us to lose. It's part of life. But it's those that don't recover from the loss that you have to identify, are they really using the loss for their gain or are they really grieving? There's a distinction there that needs to be cleared. So, okay, so I have to think about how you would define your loss. You know, you can become your loss. I am, say, the mother of a dead child, or I am a grieving parent, and I, or I am a grieving sibling. There are a lot of people that don't let go of that because they have a sense of, they feel guilty, because by moving on, it's almost like you're letting go of the individual. As long as you're there, that individual is still close to you, and And it's almost like that individual is still alive. And people feel very guilty and moving on. Part of this process is allowing people the space to be okay, to have that loss. And we mourn that loss. But that's not who you are. That's a loss that you've experienced. And it could be a Prada shoe to multiple children. It -hmm. could be that. So, Maria, Maria, I hear what what you're saying. And... and when we've had a death, it's something that's it's happened to us, but it's not who we are. And I, I understand that, and I agree with that. I'm wondering, how do you, what do you say to families out there that have the guilt piece? I like the idea, like you said, if we move on, we feel guilty because I felt like I'm leaving my brother behind. Or we feel like, you know, how dare we move on and have feel good if our loved one died. How do you work with people that have the guilt piece? What, how do you help them move through that? First, I would ask, well, what is it? about you living your life now that is not okay? Mm. What is it that keeps you there? You know, I would, mm-hmm. you know, I would have to be in front of you because I go into the zone and the questions just come to me. But it would mm-hmm. be to identify what is it that they're getting out of being in the grieving stage. Now, grieving is extremely natural. Usually mm-hmm. it's the people around the griever that are not normal. The griever is grieving naturally. Grieving times can be longer than others. 
But when you are in this grief for a long time or it consumes you after years where you can't do anything, there's something more than grief there. There's, there's something more. Right. Well, do you have any special rituals or anything that you encourage people to do that have had a loss in remembrance? Well, one of the things that I, I had something that I, I worked with this woman out of um, California. She had lost her dog, Benny. And look, I even remember the dog's name. She loved <laughs> Benny, and Benny was amazing. And, and she uh, made Benny a vegan, and Benny had uh, collapsed kidneys, and she took care of this dog for four years. She loved this dog, and one day the dog finally passed away. She was beside herself, and she did the forgive, and I apologized. And then I said that I wanted her to go to the beach at dawn or at sunset with her friends, and I wanted her dressed in white to go into the water and submerge herself and almost create a, a baptism for herself in, in, oh, in a full moon, it had to be a full moon, and create a baptism for herself and just cleanse herself of everything and throw petals in the ocean. So that, that exercise for her worked beautifully. And she, she loves her Benny with pictures and everything, but in the rebirth of who she is, she was able to come to and begin to love the second dog that she had. Because she had another dog, she couldn't even look at the dog. But once she did that action and felt the cold of the water in her body, she said to herself, I am now clean of this, and I love my Benny, but I am going to move on. And it was very, a very, very successful thing that we created together. I like that ritual. It's almost like a baptism of a rebirth. And that's not part, yeah, that's not part of what I learned. That's just something, you know, that I made up from, because I'm from the streets. So it's one of those things that that I had seen people in gangs and things like that do. You join a gang, a lot of them complete, they, they do this water submersion because then you leave your family and be a member of the gang. I just turned it and made it into an exercise for, for grief recovery. Oh, I love that. Do you have any others? Somebody that has lost a loved one and has been very hard at loving people, their homework is that they have to go hug a specific amount of people and tell them, I love you on a daily basis until the neurons in the brain start to activate and start to trust, uh, to hug people. The hugging is a really wonderful exercise, too. I love it. And that. it gets you connected, and people love you, and uh, I need a hug, or do you need a hug? And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a big hug movement around the world, but I'd like to say I did it first. I love it. I love it. Well, give us another one. I know we could keep going on, but I think these are great, don't you, Heidi? Yeah, yeah, and we've talked a lot about hugging and how it changes the chemistry of your body and how it changes the way you feel. Yes. You know, I also am a very, very strong believer that to be of service and to get out of your head and to give out, to get out of your head and be out in the world, because we're not meant to live inside our brains. We are meant Mm -hmm. to be living outside in the world, but the you move a muscle, change a thought. The moment that you get out of your thing and you go help another individual, there is a fulfillment there that takes over everything. So I am a big proponent of going to soup kitchens, of volunteering in dog animal shelters or hospitals, letting people know that you're available to volunteer if they need you. Volunteering is an excellent source 
of recovery for oneself out of grief. You start getting acknowledgments, and really sooner than later, you start to just love yourself again and be out there being one with everybody else. Uh, I love that. That's great. Well, thank you, Maria, for being on the show today. I appreciate it, and I thank you for all the work you're doing and for being so forthcoming about your own life because I think it's an inspiration. You know, we've called this Don't Let Grief Define Your Life, and I would say you certainly haven't done that, and we appreciate your positive spirit. And again, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. And I want to leave with parting words. We are who we say we are. Circumstances don't define us. We define Mm -hmm. us. All right. Thank you again for that closing spot. I like that. It's wonderful. How can people find you? Do you have a place on the Internet? You can email me. It's conversations at mariacaso.com, mariacaso.com as well. And you can look me up or set up an appointment. I'm more than happy to give people a complimentary phone session if they mention your show. Okay. Thank you, Maria. You're welcome. Well, Heidi, I love some of her ritual ideas. They were wonderful. And the idea of forgiving, I forgive, I apologize, and just some really strong things. And as I said, I think her life, what she has been through and where she is now are are a great testament. Absolutely. She's such a positive person. And like she said, there's a direct connection between how we think and how we feel. When we change our thoughts, we really do change our life. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. And Heidi, I want to remind you, as always, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. Mm -hmm.